Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. And uh, we're going to turn to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 1, verse 1 through 10. And then Ecclesiastes... Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 12, and I'll get the verse here in just a moment. Amen. We are in the summer months. I have said in the past as pastor, I hope the Lord doesn't come in the rapture during the summer because sometimes we get so caught up in all of our activities. I hope and pray we don't forget about God. We, we can't forget about God. We've got to keep ourselves in, engaged in God and His worship and prayer and the Word and faith and trust in the Lord. Amen? We need the Lord all the time. Praise God. So God is good. Ecclesiastes. How many have read the book of Ecclesiastes and come away and said, I have received everything I need in life? Well, let me tell you something. There is a whole lot in the book of Ecclesiastes, and I know there's a lot that could be said, and I won't say it all today, but I, I, the Lord has given me some word here, and I feel like it's very timely. In the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 1, verse 1 through 10, reads the, Lord, the words. Are, can you hear me? Can you, can you hear me okay? Do you need it up just a little bit? A little bit more volume? Can, I, can you hear me now? Good. Amen. We want to make sure that it can be heard. But the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Now, we stop there, we look at the book of Ecclesiastes, we think, oh, all hope is gone, I'm telling you. We might as well just fold it all up and quit. But that's not what the preacher is trying to get across. Uh, verse 3, what profit hath a man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun? One generation passeth away and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. The sun also rise, ariseth and the sun goeth down and hasteneth to his place where he arose. The wind goeth toward the south and turneth about unto the north it whirleth about continually, and the wind returneth again according to his circuits. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. Unto the place from whence the rivers come, thither they return again. All things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. Is there anything whereof it may be said, see this is new, question mark, it hath been already of old time which was before us. Let me read that last verse again. Is there anything whereof it may be said, see this is new. 
it hath been already of old time, which was before us. And I'm going to read from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, verse 13, which gives us another perspective of this, gives us some hope here too, but it's a part of a decision we've got to make, a decision that we've got to make. And, uh, and that is Ecclesiastes 12, 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter, fear God, and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Amen. I want to preach to you on this subject. Does God matter? Does God matter? I know that that seems like a question that really doesn't have to be asked to a church congregation. But yet, we've got to come to that understanding. Does God matter? Yes, he does. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to dig into the word of the Lord. God, you have appointed this time for this word at this juncture in our life and in the journey of life, and we put our trust in you. We put our hope in you, God. We thank you for your wonderful presence. Thank you for your sweet spirit. Let us comprehend the word of the Lord today that you have for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Before you're seated, turn around to a couple people, give them a long distant smile or a handshake. And <laughs> there you go. Catapult it to them, yes. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Does God really matter? Does God matter? So when we look at these scriptures here today, um, you know, we can look at it in the sense that, and I've read through Ecclesiastes many times in my Bible reading time, but, but something began to stand out to me on some of these scriptures and understanding of what God is trying to say through the preacher. Of course, we do know that the preacher definition of this, uh, of course, we know that it was Solomon the son of uh, David, uh, you know, he was a man of wisdom, but yet we also find that there were some faltering times in Solomon's life. We find that there were some difficulties and some times that he began to make some decisions that weren't right, and, you know, he, he was a man of wisdom. You would think he would walk in that wisdom, but yet he made decisions that weren't what needed to be made and he found himself getting away from the Lord and, and I believe that I, my, my thoughts on this is that on this book that was written by the preacher which was Solomon uh, the scripture says the son of David uh, king of Jerusalem or Israel we, we find here that it was possible a time that he was going through a struggle and, and he was looking at life through frustration. Has anybody here ever been frustrated with life? Everybody raise your hand for a moment. Just every, every, I want to see everybody's hand raised. Okay, now, how many have ever been frustrated in life? Now look at the hands across this congregation. We've all, we've all been frustrated at some point or another. We got them in the balcony too. So yeah, I would say all of you... All of you are normal people because we all get frustrated with life in some ways or another. But, 
But yet, can you imagine what it would be like without God in this frustration? Uh, there, is, there is a hope. But yet, Solomon was, in this story, he was, he was bringing out some facts of understanding that what is life? Uh, what is life? Life sometimes can be very frustrating. Uh, and I, I look at times of life, and, and I know we've all been frustrated at some point or another, but it was a whole lot worse before I came to God, before I gave my life to the Lord. So why is life so frustrating to so many in this world? I, I, I look at the thought here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 19. It says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ... And notice here it says in this life only, but it also includes hope in Christ. If this is all that it is, the scripture goes on and says, we are of all men most miserable. You see, there is more to even this life in Christ here upon this earth because it goes beyond this world. If all we put our hope in is just in Christ even, or outside of Christ, in this present world, then we're going to be most miserable. Our whole life is going to be miserable. We're going to be frustrated. We're going to be struggling. We're going to have a hardship of life, and we're going to be so miserable in life. If this is all that it is, but the Bible says that there's more to it than this. I look at people's lives, and I I, I look at people and I, and I even ask God, God, how can I reach them? How can I show them this great gospel message of how to find more hope, more happiness, more joy, more victory in their life? I, I, I see them and I see them in a lifestyle of so being caught up in the, in the struggles of sin and so caught up in the heartaches uh, and pain, but they... They look at it in this sense, and I try to get an understanding that this is all they know. This is all they know is a life of misery and struggle. And sometimes, that while they know they're going through it, they would hope and pray that there was more to life than this, but yet, that's all they know. That's all they know. So, God, how can I reach them? God, how can I touch their life with the Word and let them receive it? I know that we have to believe in the Word of God in order for these principles to be able to bless our lives. We have to believe in this Word and, and obey it and, and stand upon it for it to have an effect upon our lives. But if this is all that it is in this life, we're going to be most miserable. But there is a hope of eternity beyond this life. You see, living for God, not just at we, we, need to, we need to be able to live for God, not just at church, but we need to live for God every day in everyday life, wherever we're at, whatever we're doing, at home, on the job, uh, in, in the store, playing, uh, playing basketball on a basketball court with some kids, uh, hitting a ball, uh, whatever it is. We've got to be able to live for God, not just here at church, but in every, everyday life. I ask the question, how would it be in marriage if we're only committed at home? <laughs> if we're only committed at home 
And that's as far as a marriage goes. How would that marriage survive? It wouldn't. We've got to be committed at home, at, on the job, everywhere we go, whatever we do. If we're by ourselves, if we're in a crowd, wherever it is, that's, that's the theme with living for God. It's got to be a commitment, not just here at church, but everywhere we go. It's a, that's what the Lord wants. And that's what we need to want also is our relationship with God. I want to be committed to Him. I want to walk with Him every day. But people are operating in how they've been raised. People are operating in life of how they've been taught. People are operating in all they know. I know how it was. I I know I was fortunate to be able to uh, be raised in a family. They weren't in church at the time, but yet at least we had some influences of of Pentecost and the the Bible and the truth of the Word of God, at least we had some kind of influence there. But there's a lot of people in this world are just living life the best that they can because it's all they know. And I try to understand that, but I want to lead them to a closer walk with God. I want to lead them to a relationship with God where they can enjoy happiness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. You see, life's journey has given them a rough way to go at times. There's people that have been abused. There have been people that have been verbally abused, sexually abused. Uh, They've been abused physically. They've been abused mentally. They've been abused in so many different ways. And they're still trying to survive life and walk through life and just try to make it, just to find something that will make them happy. We're all trying to survive in life. We're all trying to be happy. We're all trying to feel love. We're all trying to feel secure. And we're all trying to be successful. I learned a long time ago, I, it was something in my, my family, uh, on both sides of the family, we, you know, I, you might wonder sometimes, and I know it's got me in trouble, why you joke around, why you say this, that, and sometimes we're just trying to survive life. <laughs> you know, you got to have a little bit of happiness at times, you got to have a little bit of lightheartedness at times just to be able to get through the rough times. And I know that Families and people's lives have had hard, difficult struggles. But we've got to, we're just all in this thing together, just trying to get through, just trying to survive. But we must understand that all people have different stories on this life journey. My story is different than yours. Your story is different than mine. People out in the world have a different story than we all have. Some of them have a better story of maybe good things in their life, Maybe they've been blessed so many different ways, but other people have had a difficult time and wondered if they could even survive, and they think that the only hope is, sur- is suicide. You see, we, we live in a world that, that, that is full of struggle, and that's what the, the book Ecclesiastes and the, and the preacher was trying to say. What is life? What is life? Uh, We've got to understand where people are coming from and the struggle that they've been through. And the sad note of this world is there are so many people trying to live life without God. And let me go a little bit further. We we could say, yeah, that is understandable. If we try to live life without God, we're going to have a struggle. But let me go a little further. A lot of people in this world are trying to live uh, life with a half-hearted life living for God. That is probably even a more bigger struggle than anything else. 
just trying to have both worlds. I, I want a part of the world to please my flesh, but I want God also. You see, when you look at Ecclesiastes and the preacher that was preaching that day, the book of Ecclesiastes is one of the most unusual and perhaps most difficult books to understand in the Bible. But I got an understanding of it. It, it has a spirit of hopeless despair. Life. Life is, life is such a struggle. You know, he was saying that, that, that uh, you know, it, it, it's almost like it's hopeless. Vanity. Vanity. It's all full of vanity. And it has that spirit of hopeless despair. And this is what the preacher was trying to get across. Do you realize that what he was trying to say? He was trying to set something up of what it is like not allowing the life beyond this life to be a part of our perspective and thinking and that God is not a part of it. That's what it produces. <clears throat> it has no praise in, in this book or peace. It seems to promote questionable conduct in this book. Yet these words of the preacher show us the the futility and foolishness of life lived without an eternal perspective. Just this life. That's all. We're just living life for this life. We're, we could even be living life for Christ, but it's all about this life. But if we don't hope, have hope for the eternal things in God, then we're most miserable. <coughs> no hope of eternity. You see, the question... In Ecclesiastes, it isn't about the existence of God. Because the author Solomon was not an atheist. The author Solomon, uh, uh, he, he always knew that God was always there. He didn't have a question if there was a God or not, but he was painting a picture that here we are, and if this is all life is to you, you're going to be most miserable. The question is whether or not God, not that God exists. That's not the question that, it, that the preacher was trying to get across. The question is whether or not God matters in your life. Whether or not God is everything in your life. Whether or not God is remembered and walked with and lived for in this life. It was... It was a, a man by the name McLaren. He says he does, he does believe in God. The preacher does. But very significantly, he never uses the name Lord in the, in the word. He has shaken himself free or wishes to represent a character who has shaken himself free from revelation and is fighting the problem of life, its meaning and worth without the help of God without the help of the laws of God, without the help of a prophet, and without the help of scriptures. And when he looks at that through that thought pattern is it's all vanity. Life is all vanity. <laughs> In the search for the answer, the preacher searched the depths of human experience, including despair. He thoroughly examined the emptiness and futility of life lived without considering eternity beyond this life. He was digging into it. He was looking at it. He was trying to understand 
the life lived without living for God or even a half-hearted living for the Lord. He, he does not present half a dozen arguments on the existence of God. Instead, he picks up even our own questions and begins to question those with the thoughts of those that might not be allowing God to be a part of their life. Number one, can you cope with life without having any idea where you're going? There's nothing more frustrating than that, just going and not knowing where you're going. You, you, here's another question. You don't have all the answers to life's um, um, enigmas, which means something hard to understand or explain. You, 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 you don't have all the answers to life's hard things that are unable to explain in your life. Another question is, your worldly carnal view of life doesn't give you any hope of achieving very much, does it? What about the question here? What about the question? If we're just trying to live life to please self and not God, then you're going to be frustrated. If you want to know the answer to your frustration is you've got to go back and look at your relationship with God. Because there's an important thing to learn there. I hate frustration. I, I, I despise being frustrated, but when I know that I have God with me, I, I know I can overcome anything, and you can too. Yeah, Nature will not answer your questions, and you are bored with it anyway. History baffles your attempts to understand it, and you're bored with that too. You don't like to think about your own death, yet it is the most certain fact about your existence, each and every one of us. We have to understand that, that we, we don't think about our own death, but it is the most certain fact about existence. But if, if this is all life is, it's all vanity. It's all vanity. It's all hopelessness. It's all... Struggle. It's all, I mean, what about all the things we're doing just to survive and just get by? But it's all vanity, he was saying. You see, these are definitely the words of the preacher, but this is the sermon his focus on in God was, was very indirect. He makes no mention of Yahweh in the, in the book of Ecclesiastes. He doesn't talk about the Lord other than in one scripture at the very end of this book. The name of God of Israel's covenant, faith, he didn't talk about that. He scarcely refers to the law of God. And the, the only possible reference being in Ecclesiastes 12 and 13, which was a part of our text that we read, which was at the very end when he was trying to sum this thing up. And I feel like this scripture sums it all up. Is let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man which tells us God matters. And at all, you could, you could look at this book and, and Solomon was trying to present that, 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 that all is vanity without God. Everything is vanity without God. It, it scarcely even refers to in the book of Ecclesiastes of the nation of Israel other than in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 12 where it says, I the preacher was king over Israel in Jerusalem. So why are not these things mentioned? He 
was trying to bring a view of life without thought of eternity. Just this life alone. A life where God doesn't matter. A life where we're just trying to survive. Yeah, well, I believe in God, but yet God is not everything to my life. You want to know why you get frustrated? Is because you need to put God first and foremost in your life and everything changes. Ecclesiastes, he, he was getting a point across that, that uh, if life where God doesn't matter and just self matters, we're going to be frustrated with everything we do. There was an old writing back in uh, 2300 and 2100 B.C., it was written by an Egyptian, and the writing was titled, The Man Who Was Tired of Life. It was written during this time, a man disputed with his soul whether life was worth living or whether suicide was the only logical act. Life is a transitory state, he complained to himself. You are alive, but what profit do you get? Yet you yearn for life like a man of wealth. Death, the Egyptian said, is a bringer of weeping. Never again afterwards will a man see the sun. Little can be done. Follow the happy day and forget care. It was the writings of the Egyptian in 2000 and some odd B.C. He was trying to figure out life. He was trying to understand life. He was trying to understand if life is worth living or not. Or is it worth just giving up and giving in? That's, what's, that's what Solomon, the preacher, was trying to get across. <laughs> life is just vanity. Sounds like many today that look at life through the same lens, through the same view, through the same perspective that life really is not worth living. We're just going through the motions. You know, we get up in the morning, we go to work, we work all day, we come home, we try to find a little bit of rest, we try to find a little bit of comfort, and we go to bed, we get up the next morning, we go to work again, and life keeps going on. The sun comes up, the sun goes down, life happens, the moon comes up, the sun is, well, it's always there, it's just a reflection of the sun, but we find that there's day, there's night, Days go by, months go by, years go by. Life slips away and we think, what are we doing? Are we doing anything worthwhile in life? <laughs> and the preacher says, vanity of vanities. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Looking at life all around, he judges it to be vanity. You know what vanity means? This is where he was... He was thinking about life not being worth living is because vanity means nothing. It means useless. It means meaningless. And listen to this, vanity means emptiness. You could have everything that there is in this world of, as far as finances and, and bank accounts and business and this and that. You could have everything and still be empty. Because Solomon the preacher was saying, it's all vanity without God. Uh, you know, life is just a wisp of vapor, a puff of wind, a mere breath. 
nothing you could get your hands on. The nearest thing to zero, there is the vanity this, that, that this book is about. It's just emptiness. And if all you're doing is just trying to live life and you believe in God, but you're not committed to God, you're going to be so frustrated in this life because we were made to live for God. We were created to live for God. We were created to worship God. We were created to, to be connected with Him and let Him be the, the ultimate because He's our Creator. He's not a, a, a half person. He's not a portion. He's not someone I pick up when I need Him and, and put Him down and forget about Him until I need Him again. No, He is a he is a God that is wanting to lead us. Matter of fact, God gives us every opportunity for the most happy things of life and the most greatest blessings of life. And He gives us a hope of a life beyond this world. Amen. But the preacher was saying it's all vanity. Vanity of vanities. Matter of fact, He even strengthened His point. He didn't just say it's vanity. He said it's vanity of vanities. You know, in the Bible, when things are repeated, it's put on with emphasis. Matter of fact, Jesus even did that. He put things in with emphasis. Verily, verily, I say unto you. Because I want you to hear this is very important. So the, the preacher was saying it's all vanity of vanities. He, he judged life to be the ultimate vanity without God. And then he goes on and says, all is vanity. He further strengthened the point of vanity when he said all is vanity. It seemed that every part of life suffered from this emptiness. So most of all of Ecclesiastes is written from this perspective. Not really mentioning God, not really praising God. But then summing it up at the very end... <laughs> That God matters. In it all, when you say it all and put it all together, the answer to it is God matters. <laughs> he matters. <laughs> if we have the perspective that God doesn't matter, it truly is all is vanity. All is emptiness. All is miserableness. But many people in this life feel that way. Because that's all they know. That's all they know. And it keeps coming up vanity. Just going through the motions. You say they don't know the importance of knowing God. <laughs> Some of the thoughts of life. I got three examples. Uh, uh, the playwright, Tennessee Williams, said these words. Listen to what he had to say about the thoughts on life. He said, we all live in a house on fire. No fire department to call, no way out, just the upstairs window to look out of while the fire burns the house down with us trapped, locked in it. He was looking at it through the eyes of vanity, that life is vanity. It was the author, uh, George Orwell, that said most people get a fair amount of fun out of their lives, but on a balance on balance, life is suffering and only the very young or the very foolish imagine otherwise. The playwright Alan Bennett said, life is rather like a can of sardines where all of us are looking for the key. Makes sense. Because if you only have the perspective that 
that it's all just this life. Even with Christ, it's just all misery, emptiness. And he goes on and says, what profit has a man from his labor in which he toils under the sun? An everyday thing over and over and over again. You go through the motions every day. It can be so frustrating if there's not more to life than this. And Mark, uh, Jesus expressed a similar thought when he said in Mark 8, 36, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What profit? If you gain everything in this life, but you lose your soul. Yes, it's vanity. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity at that point. And then an unending cycle of of this, this thought of creation in Ecclesiastes, verse 4 through 7. One generation passes away, another generation comes. But the earth abides forever. The sun also rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it arose. The wind goes toward the south and turns around the north. The wind whirls about continually and comes again on its circuit. All the rivers run into the sea and yet the sea is not full to the place from which the rivers come there they return again life just keeps going on and on and on and the world just keeps going on the sun comes up the sun goes down uh, there is the the uh, uh, the rain falls in the rivers it runs into the sea the sea's not full and, and then it evaporates back up into the clouds again and then it goes through a process all over again but yet we're living life earth keeps going but eventually we pass from this life and if God's not included, then it's all vanity. All of it's vanity. McLaren also said he, he looks, talking about the, the preacher, he said he looks out upon humanity and sees that in one aspect the world is full of births and another full of deaths. He goes on and says, Coffins and cradles seem the main furniture and he hears the tramp, tramp, tramp of the generations passing over, listen to this, tramp, tramp, tramp of generations passing over a soil honeycomb with tombs as the flesh goes back to the dust of the earth. You see, Solomon was getting a point across that life as we live it in our own way and not including God in it, it's going to be frustrating. It's going to be miserable. It's going to be just vanity. It's going to be emptiness. And the unending cycle of man's labor goes on. All things are full of labor. Man cannot express it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. That which has been is what will be. That which is done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which it may be said? See, this is new. It has already been in ancient times before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of things that are to come by those who will come after. It's all been done. I sees things, but it's never satisfied. The ear hears things, it's just never satisfied because it's futile and it's frustrating without including God in your life. And not just here at church, but everywhere. 
He was getting a point across. All, all that is done under heaven. God's, God's heaven, listen to this. When you think about this, uh, you know, you're talking about uh, new, anything under the sun. You see, what the preacher was saying is there's nothing new under the sun. We, we get up the sun. We get, we go, you know, we, we get up the sun. We go to bed when the sun goes down. And his, and his perspective was just up to the, to the clouds and to the sun and the moon and the darkness and the light. His perspective didn't go beyond that into heaven into eternity. God's heaven and eternity are not in view here. Only the day and night skies were in view. Under the sun was the saying, all man's work, accomplishments, and searching for wisdom seems to amount to nothing because we're not looking beyond the clouds and the sun and the moon. We're not looking into what God has prepared for those that love Him. We're not looking beyond into that area of heaven. We're not looking above into that area of eternal because we get so wrapped up in life we just tend to forget about the heavenly things. We, we, we might talk about it. We might, we might believe in it. But what about living for God every day and putting purpose in your life? And it's not just about getting up every day and and going to bed at night and working and doing this and doing that, trying to succeed, trying to accomplish, trying to... But it's all about building a life in God for eternity. Let our perspective go beyond the sun, go into the heavens, into a place that God has prepared for us. You know, you talk about in the scripture, you talk about that our eyes see things, but they're not satisfied. Our ears hear things, but we're... We're just, it's not enough. We're not satisfied. But when you think about what the scripture says, it just came to me in, in thought that, that eye hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for, for those that love him. And you see, you see, it's, it's all futile without God. Why are people in this world so frustrated and so upset and wanting to end their life? It's because they don't, know God or they might be living for God half-hearted not really committing to him but committing to self if God is convenient for me I will accept him and I'll use him and I will allow him to. but if it's not convenient for me God you can sit on the shelf there and you can sit in the corner until I'm ready for you again. Trust me, you're going to live a frustrated life. Frustrated life. You see, you're not truly living in the purpose and pleasure of the life that God's intended for you until God is the center of your life. Until you, when you put Him in the center of your life, until you build your life around Him. Not... God, let me build, let you build yourself around what I want. No, build yourself around God. 
and you're going to find that that vanity is vanity and all is vanity and emptiness and miserableness and frustration is going to push out the window because life will begin to change. I know what it does. I know what happened to me when I received the Lord. In 1977, I repented of my sins. I gave it all to the Lord. I was baptized and washed those sins away in a watery grave in the name of Jesus Christ and I received the power of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues and I know what it did for me and I've never looked back. Does that mean that I've been perfect through this time since 1977? I don't, I don't think anybody's been perfect. I haven't been perfect but I'm telling you something. It gives me a hope because I know that the Lord is there to, to help me along the way and He turned my vanity of vanities into joy and hope and, and peace and victory and, and life in Him. And I rejoice today. I'm not looking back. Sometimes we got to be restored too. I just look at the book of Ecclesiastes and I think, man, you're painting a picture of hopelessness. But no, he's painting a picture to get people to understand that life without God or God being completely centered in your life is going to be a life of frustration. Amen. Hmm. God gives us a choice to either live for him or live for self. Yeah. I could have said live for him or not live for him, but live, not living for him is living for self. There are consequences to our, to our choices. And then the scripture says that sometimes life is a burdensome task. It says the burdensome task God has given to the sons of man by which they may be exercised. God gave it to give us choice. Choice comes with consequences. It's a burdensome task. It isn't always easy to find these answers that we're trying to look for in life. And here's the reason, because pride, because self-reliance, and because we love ourselves so much, selfishness, it works against us finding the answers of God. It even goes on and says, what is crooked cannot be straight, and what is lacking cannot be numbered. It is because there are twists, what is crooked, and gaps, what is lacking in all thinking. We don't have God. We can't blame God for our frustrations. Because he's given us every hope that there is. He's given us every opportunity that there is to be happy and enjoy life. We can't blame God for our frustrations. He's given you more hope and more opportunity for a happy life. And even the Bible says, even that more abundantly. Amen. We could ever even think. But what the preacher was saying is, if you're living your life in total frustration and you look at life as all vanity, and you're not looking beyond the sun into the heavens in a relationship with God where God has given us hope. There's so much hope for his creation. To everybody in this world, 
people that you think will never live for God, God's given them hope too. But they've got to see it. They've got to understand it. There's got to be, in our world today, there's got to be a supernatural move of the Spirit of God out of the people of God for them to be able to experience it and see it for themselves and make the right decision to commit themselves into the hands of God. You see, the scripture even goes on and says, nothing new under the sun. Is there anything new? Yeah, in the Lord, there is everything new. When I came to the Lord, when you came to the Lord, everything became new. There was a new name in Isaiah 62 and 2, Revelation 2 and 17. There's a new community, the body of Christ that I can lean on. Amen. The people of God that I can, it's, it's new to me. It's something that gives me hope in Ephesians 2.14. Uh, there is a new help of the angels. There's ministering angels that are there for us in Psalms 91 and 11. There is a new commandment. Uh, amen. In John 13.34, there's a new covenant. Uh, uh, from the old covenant to the new in, in Matthew 26, 28. Uh, there is a new way of, uh, of living, uh, the way of heaven in Hebrews 10 and 20. There is a new purity of heart in Ephesians 4, 24. There is a new creation in Jesus Christ. Uh, and there are all things become new in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Revelation 21 and 5. I'm talking about a God that wants us to understand we got to look beyond this life and beyond the sun and the sun coming up and the sun going down and we got to look to the heavens and build a relationship with God to the point where He is everything. Amen. He is everything. He's everything. The answers to the frustrations of life that we see a lot of people in and sometimes we can get into that same place. If all of our focus is upon this life only, we can get so frustrated with life. Feel like I'm working myself to death, you could think. Getting nowhere, spinning my wheels. Spinning my wheels. But to the child of God that has hope in Jesus Christ, has hope in this thing we call the Bible, God's will, God's plan, and has hope that when we pass from this life that there is a place that God's prepared for me beyond this life. Everything that we do on this earth if we're walking with God, is not all vanity anymore. There's purpose. <laughs> There's purpose for your life and my life. There's purpose. There's purpose. <laughs> the preacher was trying to get the point across. Without God, without looking above the sun, all vanity vanity of vanities all is vanity all is emptiness all is frustration all is struggle I had a conversation the other day with my boss we were just talking about work and 
I told him just a few words of thought that would help in being a leader. I found that, and I, I'm still learning to be a leader, a pastor. I, I'll never stop learning. There's always something for me to learn. And I found through time, and I'm not saying this about my boss, he's a great man, and good man, very good. He's, he's my kind of guy. He, he likes to joke around, and sometimes you don't know if he's joking or if he's serious. But I told him one day, I said, you know, the guys at the workplace, a paycheck does mean a lot. That's important. But that's not the, that's not the only thing. The thing with guys is if they feel like they're making a difference, if they feel like that they're accomplishing something, and they feel like that there is hope, <laughs> that we're moving forward and we're succeeding and we're doing something good, that is a driving force for many men on a job. How many times is, or women on a job too, you got to just feel like you got something you're accomplishing. And how many times have we felt like that we're spinning our wheels and getting nowhere and that's more frustrating. I don't care how much you pay me. <laughs> if I feel like I'm spinning my wheels not getting anywhere, it's, it's all vanity. But when you understand what the preacher was trying to get across in the book of Ecclesiastes, in God, we're getting something accomplished because there's purpose. Every prayer that you pray has purpose. Every time you lift your voice and praise and worship to God, there is purpose. Every time you come to the house of the Lord and commit to the Lord, there is purpose. Every time you get a burden for souls and you reach out to them and pray for them and intercede for them, there is purpose being fulfilled. And everything that we do as a child of God is for eternity. Every day I live for the Lord, it's for, yes, the blessings of this life, but it's for eternity. Every day I live for God, it's for, yes, blessings to help others find eternity. For my family to make it to where God's prepared, place God's prepared for us. What God's trying to say to us today is, are you frustrated with life? Give it all to Him. Let Him be the center of your life. And build your life around Him as the center. And your life is going to have fulfillment and blessing, and joy, peace, hope. What is the purpose of this church? It's not just for us to come and spend time here talking to one another and just go through the motions of a singing, a song and preaching the Word and teaching the Word. It's, we're building for eternity. We've got our eyes, we're looking beyond the sun. If our eyes are just 
into the clouds somewhere, then we're not, we're going to be so frustrated. We, we look at life and there's no hope. There's just vanity. It's emptiness. But yet we're looking as a church body. We're looking at the, as the people of God beyond this world. Give your life to the Lord. Pour it all out to Him. Commit to Him. Give it all to Him and let Him begin to change some things in your life in the frustration. You could put it on the, on the hands of God. Put it on Him. Cast your cares upon Him for He careth for you. I'd like for us to stand here today. Does God matter? Hmm. Does God matter? Let God matter above everything else in life and then putting God before everything else and then let everything else fall where it may. God will show you that there is such a beautiful blessing in keeping our eyes upon Him and upon heaven. Uh, no matter what anybody else does, I'm going to live for God. No matter what anybody else does, I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to live for Him. I'm going to put it all in His hands. I'm going to let God matter in my life. I have to have Him. Or you're going to walk away frustrated. You're going to walk away struggling. And you're going to blame it on God. It's not God's fault. It's decisions that you make and I make. I've got to give it all to God. I'm going to open this altar up right now. Does God matter to us? It's time for us to put God in a place where He matters first and foremost. I want to shed the frustration. I want to give it all to Him. Let's come and give it to the Lord here today. I want you to cry out to Him and let Him know, God, You matter over everything else. Nothing oh, in this world Hallelujah. 